The Sydney Opera House acknowledges the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, traditional custodians of Tubagali, the land on which the Opera House stands. We honour the long Gadigal history of gathering and storytelling and acknowledge the strength and resilience of First Nations people and communities past and present. Welcome to Ideas at the House, a podcast featuring talks and ideas from the Sydney Opera House. I'm your host, Frank Newman, Creative Learning Specialist. This podcast is part of a three-part series featuring conversations curated by influential Finnish educator Parsi Salberg. Professor Parsi Salberg is an educator and author. He has worked as a school teacher, teacher educator, researcher and policymaker advising schools and education system leaders including the World Bank, Finland's Ministry of Education and Culture and Harvard University. He is the recipient of numerous prestigious awards and his many publications inspire teachers and education system leaders around the world. Now the Professor of Education Policy at Southern Cross University, Parsi has a particular interest in reframing how we understand health, play and creativity in learning. In this second episode, Parsi Salberg is joined by Ricky Cridolfo, music educator, guitarist and frontman of the City Riots, and Sarah Donnelly, 2020 ARIA Music Teacher of the Year and Deputy Principal of Wilcannia Central School to discuss the lack of music education in the Australian school system. From lived experiences, these teachers have seen music inspire engagement and give children a different way of expressing themselves, especially those who struggle with traditional methods of learning. Recorded live at the Sydney Opera House in 2022, Parsi Salberg and the panel explore the sense of connection music brings and the excitement that children feel coming to school knowing that they will partake in musical activities. Hi everyone, how are you? So, you know, this is what I see when I look around here. This, um, this beautiful country and its uh, different education systems around, um, around the land is that during the last 10, 20 years, we have tried almost everything to improve our schools. And we have tried so many things to be like, you know, those education systems that are leading the world. And we are not one of them, unfortunately. We used to be there 20 years ago. But there's one thing that we haven't tried, and that's the um, music, rock and roll. And that's why we have this title that if we would next try not the new curriculum or not, not more assessments or new education reforms, but just give children something new in a school, in every school, that would make them come to school happy, engage, be interested in something. And while they do that, they probably would learn also some other things. And I am, I'm speaking about these things also as somebody, as you can hear that I'm not from, from this country. I came from Finland four years ago here with my family. And... And what we had there for our children was very different and is very different than it is here. Every school has a music teacher. Every primary school teacher is a music teacher. That's the thing. You don't probably believe me, but that's, that's how it is. And that's where the, the music education starts already in the preschool. And every child will have access to that. When preparing for this conversation, I went through basically all available reviews and assessments and commissions and reports about music education. They, they all here in Australia come to the same conclusion. One is that we have a huge number of kids in our schools who don't have a music teacher or don't have even music. Music is often within this um, music, arts, drama, dance, the arts, okay, which is great. It's a beautiful thing. But we have a lot of kids in this uh, country now every day going to school without having a, a teacher to teach music. Then the other thing that you very quickly realize is that um, the, the quality of music education in this country varies. It depends where you are. It often depends on which school system you go into or which state. We have uh, Malcolmis here, right? Malcolm Elliot over there. Malcolm is from beautiful island of Tasmania. And what I learned also in, in reading, reading for this uh, evening is that somehow Tas Tasmania has been able to do some things that the no other state or territory has been able to do in music, which is that principles, the schools believe, everybody believes that music is a good, important thing. And it's not so in all the other parts of this country. So that's, that's where we are, and that's what we would like to have a conversation with you and, 
and uh, I'm having these amazing colleagues and friends here, here with me. But let me tell you a little bit, before we go into the conversation, let me tell you a little bit about what happened to me. Because, you know, when I was a high school, leaving high school, my dream was to be a primary school teacher. And as you heard, that all primary school teachers in Finland are also music teachers. And that's, I think, would be a intriguing solution into this country, that every teacher who teaches in a primary school has to be qualified to teach music as well. This is what Finland has been doing now for the last 40 years. So my dream was to become a primary school teacher. And before you can get into this university, programs that ask you to study all the way to master's degree, you have to convince the, the university faculty that you're really, you're going to be a great teacher. So what they do, they test your knowledge. So it's, it's the kind of a common test that you, you ask questions about education and psychology and those things. Uh, then they ask you to show that you can work with other people. So for example, they would ask us here to design a mathematics or music class and then show how we would run that. But then the third one, before you can get in into even study to become a primary school teacher, you have to pass the interview. So here I was, I was a 19 year old high school uh, graduate, and my heart was beating for becoming a primary school teacher. My father was a primary school teacher, my mother was as well, and many others. I, I thought that this is what I wanna do. So I went, there, I went through all of these different phases that I mentioned to you, and, and I was sitting there in front of this panel. So there was a professor of education in the middle and two lecturers on both sides. And they were asking all kinds of questions from me. And one of the questions just in the middle of the conversation was that, sing us a song. I stood up like this and said, what song would you like to hear? <laughs> and the professor in the middle said that, it doesn't really matter. You can sing us any song you like. And that moment, I remember that, you know, I had a high school band and we were doing a lot of uh, rock music and other things. And uh, I probably had a long hair and other things. So I took this uh, position that the uh, that Ricky can do when you can have a play. <laughs> and this professor was looking at what the heck this guy is doing. And then I kind of hold a microphone like this and I started to sing. And that point, he said, that's okay, you can, you can sit down. <laughs> that, by the way, that was a midnight, I got it. midnight I got, special. I got it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you know, the, the, the true story here is that because I was not able to convince this panel, and particularly this professor in the middle, that I actually have some musical talent and gift, he thought that I'm not going to be a good enough primary school teacher because I cannot teach music to kids. And, you know, that's what is at stake here. That I, I'm, I strongly believe that if we want to have a sustainable solution to this chronic thing that we have had here in this country for at least last 20 years, maybe longer, that we have kids who go to school every day and they don't have a music teacher. And they don't always have even the music program, something that could be, uh, could be useful. For them. I've seen many schools here where they do beautiful things in music, but often so that term one is music, term two is trauma, Term three is something else, and the term four is dance. And then the music may happen next year at the same time if they are lucky. We have to change this, and, and we need all of your, your ideas and help and support to do this. So now, as you heard, this, one, this wonderful lady here is Sarah Donnelly. And I met Sarah in, I went to your school about a year and a half ago. That was right after, probably a week after you were awarded the ARIA Music Teacher of the Year Award amazing community where she works. And Ricky is a friend. Actually, I met Ricky so that when, when I moved here three and a half years ago, uh, my both boys, I have a primary school age boys, and they love music. But they love music now much more than they did three and a half years ago. Because this guy here, and they went to public school here, where they had beautiful arts program, but not really music. And that's why Ricky was working with this public school to bring this music to this, um, these kids. And I, I must tell one thing, that you have changed the lives of both of my kids just by doing rock and roll in the school. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> so, so that's the, uh, you know, that's why I have, I'm really privileged to have these people here. But let, let's get into the conversation. And these two people have amazing stories to tell about what they do, where they come from, and how they see the, um, uh, this question of, you know, fixing Australian education through music or rock and roll. Sarah, 
can you tell us a little bit about where you come from and how did you how did you grow up into this music thing that you are doing now? Absolutely. Um, Pasi, I think you mentioned something that, you know, when we're talking about um, people's own experience with music and particularly um, primary teachers. So I was really privileged that I had an incredible music education all the way through. Um, and I also think it was something that my family was really passionate about because dad hadn't learnt an instrument. And so he had his heart set on the fact that because he hadn't had that experience, he wanted to make sure we did. Um, I had an incredible primary school music teacher and I sang in a band my every Sunday. I was the front woman of... I can, I can see that. ...boy <laughs> band. <laughs> Some things never change. Um, and we spent every Sunday and that was where I grew up. It's where I developed a sense of confidence and my own sense of identity. So for me, everything was around music. Um, and then I went to university and was studying to be a primary school teacher and suddenly realised that not everyone had been as lucky as I was. People hadn't played a xylophone or a recorder or um, found this confidence to sing. And more and more you hear stories, so many people have a story of not being picked for a choir or being told that they can't sing by someone when they're driving in the car. And so all these people I started to learn of their negative experiences with music and where they sort of were shut out of this world that I was so privileged to be a part of. Um, so as a teacher, I'm not a music teacher, I'm a primary school teacher and now I have the privilege of working with secondary as well. I live in a remote community called Wilcannia, which is two hours out of Broken Hill, so 12 hours from here. Um, and the reason that the ARIA award came about was because music is embedded into absolutely everything that I do with my students. So I'm not a music teacher, but music is the thing that connects me. You're not music teacher yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, be beautiful. Ricky, uh, how about your, your your story quickly? Yeah. Well, um, my dad used, my dad's here actually. He used to play drums. He had a better drum kit at home. So I was going to play drums but decided to play guitar purely so that we could jam together and play songs together. Um, and I, I went to primary school. Uh, I was the only kid that learned guitar at primary school. Um, but I thought it was really cool. When I held that guitar, I was, I was like, I felt different. I felt unique and I could... That felt special to me. Then um, I went to, went to high school and uh, well, like the first year of high school and, and um, I did a, a, a performance and I was in a church and I played a song that nobody knew all on my own up on stage on an acoustic nylon string guitar and it was, and it was a pretty bad experience, um, maybe a bit like what you remember. <laughs> and I uh, remember doing that going, that was not what I was intending and um, I don't want anybody to feel like that. Again. Um, and then I was doing music classes at high school and um, I, I knew I loved music. I knew I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to have a song on the radio. I, I, I loved jamming with my mates. But my music classes weren't really reflective of that. Then um, after high school, went to uni. Uh, didn't really know what to study. Had a really good time at uni though. And I started a band with my brother and we got to write some songs, got on the radio, travel the world. Had a really, really good time. Um, and it really became part of my self-identity and, and my confidence and, and just, just had, had an absolute blast. And then part-time I, I thought, well, I can't do much else. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll teach guitar. And remembering all those bad experiences I had at school about feeling isolated on stage and playing a song that nobody knew and, and not enjoying that, I wanted to kind of flip that and make sure that every student that I worked with um, had a really great time, was really inspired, felt engaged, could share my passion that I have for music when someone played me a song that I really liked. And I wanted, the, I wanted students to feel like that. So I started making sure that all my lessons were really fun and, and they, that, that they, I got to, so I could share my passion, really. And then uh, I started moving into working with lots of wonderful schools. And then I, I realized that uh, a lot of schools um, weren't actually doing curriculum-based classroom music that you're meant to be doing as part of the curriculum, which opened up this massive conversation which we're probably going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, you, you, you're a teacher and you heard me saying something about what I've seen here in Australia when it comes to teaching music. Uh, can you share some of the experiences that you have had either a, as a student when you went through the school or when, when you work with the schools? But do, do you see the same thing that the music is? Music is there in the schools, but it's not, there's no guarantee that every kid would have a access to high-quality music programs. 
Absolutely. I think, as you said, Parsi, it depends where you are and at what time. So it's very dependent on staff and their experience and what they bring to lessons and education. Um, my own music education was I had a specialist music teacher. Um, and so that's why I had music all year round every year from kindergarten to year six and what an incredible experience that was. And we performed and we put on musicals and I was able to be on stage and, and all of these things. Um, and she was incredibly skilled. I still use some of the things, I use the songs that I learnt as a five and six year old. I teach those songs still today. Um, and a lot of, I'm gonna do an exercise later that I first did in her classroom so she was incredible but certainly in schools if you don't have that own experience you know you can't share something that you haven't had yourself I think at university we did maybe a semester of a create creative art subject as you said so it was not just music we also had to do visual arts and everything in that time and it just was it's not enough it's not enough to give you that experience and to give you that confidence so it does become a silo of just a 10-week program um, and it's also because people don't have that toolkit they don't have little things that they can pull out I'm a big advocate for the creative arts all of the creative arts should be embedded across our curriculum used every day in our classrooms and across all of our subjects but if you don't have that toolkit yourself how can you do that yeah, that's right. As you see, people, we, we are a little bit like a David Leatherman show that we have the house band here and they're going <laughs> to make a little noise and, and music every now and then. We're going to introduce this, this wonderful, wonderful guys there as well. But Sarah, if I can continue, um, if, you could, if you could freely design music aspect, music part of your Vilcania Central, what would it look like? Let's say that there's no department or anybody who would say or regulation that you're going to do that. You could freely... Re redesign the school so that the music would be there as you see it should in a school like yours? I think that we actually, at the moment, because of the staff who we have there, we have quite an incredible music culture. Not in terms of curriculum music, because we don't have the skill set, we don't have an employed music teacher at the moment, um, and we don't have teachers working specifically in the primary setting that are really confident in music. What we do have, though, is people who share my ethos and share communities ethos of music being the heart and soul of our town um, and the, and it really is the sort of lifeline that brings us all together. Um, one of my colleagues is here tonight and she told me that music is what helps us escape and she was talking about community but it's also what helps brings us together and keeps us connected and I think what's really lovely is in our school you walk in and you hear music being played. It's part of our yarning circles in the morning. It's part of how we calm, how we do meditations. Um, one of my colleague's daughters is here tonight and I go in and we sing in her classroom every morning, you know, whenever they're doing a yarning circle and she blasts music that has words about identity um, and incredible Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander musicians who have these powerful messages to share. Um, so music is a part of the beginning of our school day. It's a part of all the way through and the end. It's not curriculum music, but it's part of who we are and how we do things. Yeah, sounds, sounds great. Ricky, you work in a very different different environment in the city of Sydney and um, and you, you're not the music teacher, right? So, so the same question to you that when, when you work with, uh, how many schools do you work with now? <laughs> Roughly. Um, uh, more than 70. 70? Yeah. Yeah. Seven zero. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. 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 So, so when, you, when you engage with the schools and doing what you do, uh, obviously with the guitar and rock, what, what, so what do you see there when you walk in and and engage with the kids in, and or, or what what can you can you tell anything about the, the the experiences that kids have in music yeah i i think uh like i've seen the difference between going to a school before they've been doing had the opportunity to experience music at school and then after and the change is that um is that it seems really simple but the kids are just happy and they excited about being at school they're happy to come to school um and i can really only talk about more so on the days that I am there, and obviously the days that I'm there, this, the school is involved in music. Um, and whether it means that the kids have the instruments out before school and they're sitting there strumming their guitars or, or they're, going to the, they're going into the creative arts space and wanting to work on their songs or write their songs or have a jam on the piano or have a jam on the drum kit. Um, or they're just generally happy to, to be with their friends and see me. You know, like, it's funny, when I walk through a school, um, the teacher's like, wow, it's like, 
it's like there's a. <laughs> I hate that it sound like a waker saying, but it's like like it's a celebrity here. But but what I what I what I like is that the kids are really excited. Like, hi Ricky, oh Ricky's here. It's oh hi Ricky. And the teacher's like, God, they, they never do that with anyone else. And I think um, you know when I go into work and work with a school or a class, I I almost do it like it's a live show. Like if I'm not exhausted by the end of the day, then I don't feel like I've kind of given it my all and because um, the kids deserve that and I, I feel like you know every minute I'm there in the classroom I have to make sure that I'm doing my best to get the kids engaged and inspired so that when they leave that at least on my part when they leave that session um, they, they're thinking wow that was really fun and they really enjoy music so then hopefully they're really excited about going back into their classroom to do all the other amazing wonderful lessons they need to do and happy to be at school and come through those front gates to learn. So is it everything is rock and roll what do you do? Like a rock music? It's more about making it about the students. So like if the kids are into rock and roll, then I want to kind of nourish that love of learning for them. So like it's driven by what they are excited about rather than me telling them, hey, let's learn this song because you should be learning this song. I'm like, what are you into? What are you excited about? Um, and a lot of the time, you know, they're either, it's either rock and roll or hip hop or pop. Or, but if we can get them excited about learning the songs, then it makes the experience that much more rewarding and productive and successful. So uh, do you have any, you, you have thousands of kids you're working with. There must be some children who do it secretly that they, they cannot tell their parents that they are doing rock and roll with Ricky. It's just like you know, if you've seen the, uh, the School of Rock thing, they, you know, there are some kids who kind of hide everything, Jimi Hendrix CDs and others. So do, do, do you have those kids who kind of don't tell my mother what I'm doing here with you? Yeah, um, like I have a lot of kids that come in. What, what, what really tells me that it's connecting is when kids come to see me outside of their lesson time outside the classroom lesson if they're coming to see me before school after school when the lunch breaks and I never ever say no like if kids want to come in and jam I'm always like let's jam I'm like let's do it I can eat later let's jam and um and it's amazing what they know like kids still I don't know it's like it in part of our Australian kind of cultural fabric is that every child before I even teach them knows the riff for TNT like kids are like year two and I'm like I haven't even taught you that song how do you know that song <laughs> like, is, this a, is this a Kylie Minogue song no it's just, no, no, just no, no sorry <laughs> so it's kind I've of only three and a half years here so I you know, don't know all this, all this I think <laughs> in a way rock and roll or just, like music is ingrained in kids from a very young age it's uh and it's in them it's like just part of the creativity that's ingrained in them from a young age and i think at school we need to be um trying to bring out the best of the creativity in them rather than dumbing it down yeah yeah can I, uh, sarah can i reveal a s secret mm. to the, this audience here you have a you have a new book coming <laughs> right it's i true. do yeah yeah it's called big things grow memoir <laughs> And you're 23. Yeah. <laughs> and writing a memoir—that's that's an achievement. But you know, I, I, you don't probably know this, but your publisher sent the book to me, so I'm, uh, I, I read it, and it's an unbelievable story from somebody like young teacher and person like you. It's all about Bill Kania and what happens there. I would um, I would like to ask you now to share one story. It can be from the book or uh, outside of the book that has really remained with you and is important that is somehow linked to the power of music, that what music can do. Because I remember you write about many stories about how kids are actually writing songs if they have a difficult moment or something that concerns them. That they're not only that they you know, turn on the, um, uh, the CD player or something, but they actually go and write songs and then perform those things. Mm. Share us with something that you have seen uh, that amazes you as well, of the, the, the capability of kids uh, when it comes to to doing, writing music or doing music or using music for, for good things? It's a really hard question, Parsi, um, because even as I was trying to listen to you ask the question, I started numbering off too many um, because there are so many little moments and it's all the really special little moments. One, I'll, I'll give you a couple of really quick ones. Um, a gorgeous student of mine who is um, nine years old and bounces off the walls and you cannot keep her contained in a seat for more than 30 seconds. Um, the other day ended up in my office and I often say that as deputy principal I get all the best times and all the worst times. And so we were sitting in my office having a bit of a chat and of course the work was too hard. That was why she had her behaviour had spiralled. And so we worked together for a little while about how we would um, put together a reward system so that she could go back into class and, and be doing the right thing. And as you said, um, lots of other good things happen when we get 
if we use music to, for good things to happen, then the other things can happen in the classroom, the reading and the maths and everything else. Um, and her reward was that she wanted to give up her recess and lunch to go into the music room. And this student who is particularly low on literacy and numeracy sat beside me on the piano and we sang a number of songs together. Um, we're preparing for a big festival that is going to be out our way, Monday Monday Festival, and our students are going to sing on stage with Missy Higgins. So the, we are cultivating rock stars, country stars. Um, so she wanted to practice those songs. But then she wanted to have a go at playing the piano. And her teacher had told me earlier that day, an a educator working with her, that she couldn't recognise her letters. But on the piano, someone has written all of the letter names and I was playing along and without any kind of instruction, she started following and then she was looking at the chord chart in front and she started playing the notes on the piano. And I've never heard someone with rhythm like this kid. And she started and then she had two hands going. And I've tried to teach secondary kids even something that simple and had no luck. And he was this tiny little thing. Um, and the biggest smile on her face, the sense of pride and excitement, she stayed in class for the rest of the day. She did the reading that was too hard. She did the maths that was too hard. She did everything else. Um, and we went back there at lunchtime and we played more music together. So that sense of success, achievement, connection, um, yeah, it's all down to music. I think you brought something with you from Bilkania, yeah. a video clip. Can we play this little one-minute uh, story that people can see what it looks like. I love music because it makes me happy. I love music because it's fun. It's interesting, it's fun, and it can be shared. And it helps me escape from reality. The way it makes me feel, the way it makes my mind and my body feel. I like music because I relate to some of the lyrics as in it's a part of our culture. It's our song line and for our people. I love music this much. Music makes me feel happy. Music makes me feel good. It's important to me because um, a lot of my family gets together playing music. Because it's my mum's favourite song. Music is a definite asset to the classroom. It's good for the brain. Yeah, you put an MRI on someone while they're listening to music and it just lights up, it connects everything. It helps me get more work done and I feel like I'll do better if I listen to music. It um, motivates us, keeps us happy and makes us, makes us feel better. You can use it as a way to connect with other people. It allows people to express themselves and um, either by making music or just by listening to music. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. How many of you here teach music in school? Of any any type of music? We have some symphony orchestra musicians who are still kind of hesitate. <laughs> Put your hand up if you if you think that you have a musical gifts. You. Oh. I think all of you you have. Wow. Ricky, yep. back, back to you. Okay. We have the, we have this question that can rock and roll save our schools and and, and of course, you know, we understand that music is important. Music education is important. And we are, we are not here to say that, that we should only teach rock and roll in, in the school, although it would be fun. We, we need music in, in general. But if we would do, when you do, you do rock and roll with kids, yeah. do, you, do you think that it could not only make the kids' experiences of school more positive and better, but actually save schools from this thing that I think we are all seeing if you have kids that, you know, the older they get, the less engaged they are in the school. The, old, the further the kids, kids get in the education path, more difficult it is to find something in the school that would make them say that, wow, you know, this is, this is something I really want to do. But if we would, if we would do more rock, rock and roll in the schools, do you think that that would make Australian education better? Tough one, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I do, I do. Um, but talking about rock and roll, I, I, I say yes, I'm based on kind of two things. One as rock and roll, as an attitude, 
and one rock and roll in terms of like a contemporary progressive way to be able to engage kids. Um, the first one, rock and roll as an attitude. It's about to empower principals and schools to take risks and do things differently. Um, and whether that's, that means having music as the school time bell as opposed to a bell or um, introducing a parent-student rock band or having a, a teacher-principal guitar group for, a, for well-being or whether it's like instead of like playing the school song on a recording, actually have like some kids rock it, you know, and play it live. Um, just, just take risks and, and try different things and integrate more music into the classroom through all parts of our learning because music has a wonderful way to tap into all our key learning areas in the classroom, whether it's, whether it's maths or whether it's in English or everything. Um, and secondly, you know, I, I find um, what one of my big hang-ups with, um, with music education, there's many in school, um, but one of them was uh, we underestimate um, the ability of students and what they're actually into. And, you know, I feel like sometimes we dumb things down for kids because we feel like, because you're in kindergarten, that, you know, they're... Um, that needs to be simplified, but our daughter's actually in kindergarten. And, um, and if I played her the same song that she listened to a year ago in, pre in preschool, she'd look at me like, this is a baby song, you know. <laughs> so I think, like, we need to give kids more respect in terms of, like, what they're actually into. Um, because kids are in, like, stage three, year five and six. Like, they're consuming music more than I can really keep up with, whether, and whether it's rock and roll, hip-hop or, or pop or whatever it is. Um, but we need to make sure we're connecting with those kids and engaging them. And, uh, and a rock and roll was a great way to do that because if we can make them excited about being at school and doing rock and roll, and whether it's on a guitar or a glockenspiel or percussion or whether we're just singing a song, a rock and roll song together, um, then it, it means they're excited to be at school and it means it's a lot easier then to get them excited and, and learn in the classroom and get them excited about coming to those front gates to come to school. Sarah, we were in a radio show about a week ago, 10 days ago, something like this, and you, you were talking about the same thing, about this uh, rock, that rock has an attitude. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in, your, in your community, you also have a country. Country music is a big thing, you told me. So that, does it make a difference whether it's a rock music or country music or anything to try to make schools more engaging, active places for kids? I think Ricky hit the nail on the head when he said that it's about connecting with students and their interests. Um, so I most certainly was not a country music fan, but I definitely am now. I also wasn't an NRL fan before I worked in Redfern, and now I could tell you every Rabbitohs player that I learnt that in Redfern. Um, so everything, I think, education has to be based on student interest and, and what they bring to school, so their backpack. Before they even um, start to read or write, you know, they bring with them a whole set of experiences, of interests, of backgrounds, um, family cultural things, you know, we need to respect that and that's how we can then form that connection. So whether it's country music, rock music, we have some classical instruments who hopefully will take the stage with us later today. Um, it's because for me it's not only about connecting with their interests, it's then about showing them the rest of the world. So um, there's some incredible friends sitting here tonight who contacted us at Wilcannia Central School and said... We're doing a bit of a road trip. We'd like to come out. We're, we'll have our double bass and our cello and we'd love to come and play some music. And so many of our kids had never heard a classical instrument before. Um, they did workshops with our young ones and then they sat as our students walked into the hall for assembly one lunchtime and they're sort of, you know, talking away as they're making all these noises. They come into the room and all of a sudden the noise stopped and we can never get them to stop talking when we want to. But as they walked into the hall and they heard these instruments, all of a sudden wide-eyed and they're looking around trying to understand what was going on and, you know, that's, that's what it's all about as well. It's opening doorways and then the last thing is obviously connecting to culture. Owen is here with us tonight and he played Dig earlier. He's a Wilcannia, very proud Bakunji man. And it's a real privilege that he came with me um, to join us on stage. But it's a, rock and roll is an attitude. Um, music is important. Genres are all part of that and it's how we mesh them together. Right. Now we're going to ask you to take part in this thing. You know, I have one. Yeah, I've got, I got a story. Can I tell a quick story? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Off the back of that. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the one and only tangent. It's off the, I, yeah, sure. I, I promise. Um, I, I, have a, I have a dear friend and he takes a stage, a stage band. So there's clarinets, there's saxophones, there's trumpets, trombones, 
pianos, violins. And he was sick one morning and he said, Ricky, can you fill in for me to take the stage band? And I, was, and I, don't, really, I don't take stage bands. <laughs> um, uh, and I said, this will be fun. Sure. Um, so I, I turned up and all the parents walked in. They were like, who's this guy? And I introduced myself and everyone came in and got their instruments out. I was like, okay, everybody. Um, what have you been playing? And I looked at their, their parts and I was like, okay, we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> I got this other idea. got this other idea. I've always wanted to do this. And the kids are like, firstly, trying to work out who the hell I am. And secondly, what, what song are we going to do? So I said, and obviously because all the, some of the instruments are in a different key, right, pitched differently. And um, you know what I'm talking about. Our conservatorium players over here. And so I said to them, okay, we're going to play this together. The riff's like this. We'll play your note. And we worked it out by pitch. We played this. Like, and we worked out the notes and did it. And the kids were like, they started opening up and loosening up and smiling. And, and, and we were jamming. And they were finding their notes, the clarinets, because they're in B flat. Is that right? I was like, we should work it out. <laughs> and it, but it came together. And at the end of it, they were like, that was, that was like the best, like most fun we've ever had. And, um, and it was just kind of like approaching things completely differently and using a song that they all really knew, but using it to kind of really make the most of all their wonderful instruments and all the wonderful tone colors and textures those instruments make, but make it about the students and make it about a song they know. And uh, they still talk about it mm. to this day. And it was a really good time and a good kind of uh, professional development experience for me <laughs> as well. Okay, now, now I'm going to ask, I want to ask you guys to show us a little bit what you, you know, how you do this thing. And um, uh, to, as a lead to this, let me, let me t tell you in a minute what my music education looked like when I was a long time ago, when I was in, um, uh, in a primary and, and secondary school. The, a typical thing that the teacher asked me to do, and these are qualified teachers, they asked me and others to stand up, walk in front of the class, and sing a song. Remember this, what I would try to do? Kunsa Mulahera. And we were scared like crazy. And what I remember the, the first years of primary school that I just, I felt that I cannot sing. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to stand there before everybody else and get shamed and blamed. Okay. And that killed the music in me for a long time until I went to high school and met you know, people like this guy, and we started to play and realized that, you know, this is actually fun. Yeah. And you can get, you know, you can get things out of these instruments and, <laughs> and uh, you know, find a new, new experiences. But, Sarah, because you, <clears throat> I, I know, you know, reading your stuff and, and listening to your, your stories that you do a lot of music with the kids who haven't necessarily had experiences in education, uh, the, the music education. Could you show us a little bit, like, how do you get those kids like myself who is afraid of you know doing any any sound or any noise or anything uh, because of this feeling that you know I cannot I'm not a music person I cannot do it but you, because you you must have a, a way how you can how you make people feel comfortable and that you help them to realize that you know we all can do something could you could you show us something how, how to do that so I mentioned earlier that I was going to show you something that I experienced in my primary school music class um, so I'm going to go for a bit of a walk. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, before, you mentioned shame, Parsi, and I think a big thing is creating a safe space for a classroom and a place where we can take risks, but we need to know that mistakes are okay and actually mistakes are how we learn, so they're really important. Um, so to all of you, my beautiful class tonight, um, mistakes are okay and mistakes are important. And Amelia, from our Year 6 classroom, do you remember what was our tagline? No... No shame, no blame, right? So there's no shame. There's only shame in not having a go because that's when you miss out. So I am going to start at this end of the room and Wilcania is a place where we were in drought when I got there. The river was dry um, and we needed rain. So this exercise is about bringing the room together. It's about getting you to do something and we're going to do some body percussion so that you can let go of that feeling of being worried about starting a music class because we're going to trick you into doing something all together and establish that sense that we are one group, we are a choir, we are a team all together. So we're just going to do some really easy body percussion. We're going to try and make it rain here in the Utsun room tonight. So what I need is your eye contact, all right? 
I'm going to start with this end of the room and I'm going to give you an action and I'm going to walk all the way to the other end of the room. And normally I do this in a classroom with a circle and so I can very easily sit in the middle and turn around like this. So I'm going to attempt to run from that end to this one. We'll see how we go. Um, but the only thing you need to know is watch me. When I make eye contact with you, that's when you start doing the action. Any questions? All right, let's give it a go. Let's see if we can make it rain. So, and don't do it. One really important thing, which you've all done, don't do it until I get to you. And you have to keep going until I give you the next action. Okay? So let's go. So when it starts to rain, we have a little drops and then it builds up and we had thunder and lightning and crashing and then it all comes back down to peace. And now you are one big choir. You all followed my conducting, so you've shown you can do that and you all trusted that you could stay with me and nobody was left behind. So well done, give yourself a round of applause. So the same question that before, how many of you feel that you have a little musical gift or talent within you now? <laughs> you look around, many of you, okay? Now, beautiful, Sarah, really amazing feeling. Uh, so think about how you feel about this. It's good to do these things with somebody else. No blame, no shame. No blame, no shame. Uh, that's, that's what I learned from your book. <laughs> Ricky, uh, I, I understand that you can, you can get kids you know, doing things like this when you stump your feet and use your fingers. But, you know, how about the complex instrument like guitar? How, how, you, get, how you get somebody who hasn't, doesn't know a chord or how to make a sound of this thing to do something that is, sounds a little bit like music? What do you yeah. do? Can you show us what, how you sure. get started? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I always got to keep it simple. And I always start really simple. Um, and uh, whether it's just getting kids to strum in time and appreciating tempo and, and, uh, and time signature um, and just showing a really simple chord. So <laughs> it's going to be completely ambitious, but we're going we're gonna to jump in and do it. Um, I brought along a whole bunch of guitars and some percussion instruments. Um, a spe special thanks to Wallara Public School um, for letting us borrow the guitars and Mascot Public School for letting us borrow the uh, percussion instruments. Um, hands up if you've never played or held a guitar ever because we want you to be doing they're this not, exercise. They're not silly. They know not to uh, put okay. their hand up. Come on. Was about, Come you on. thought you were being clever there. If you're feeling, if you're feeling inspired after our little earlier jam, um, put up your hand. We're going to come give you a guitar and we're going to show you a really simple G chord. Our friends <laughs> with the guitar is going to show them a really simple G chord. Give them a Ricky pick while yeah, they're there. So. Um, we're also going to give you, hand out some percussion instruments. Yep, Let's get these percussion yep. instruments out. I've got a whole bunch of wonderful tambourines and wood blocks. My number one rule when I'm working oh with schools and, and <laughs> trying to uh, empower and upskill our classroom Sorry. teachers to teach music in their classroom, one of the things I say to them is make sure you give really clear and articulate instructions before your students come and pick up the instrument. So once you've got the instrument, that's too noisy. So, uh, okay, guitarist, you've got to put on that simple, simple chord. We're just going to stay on that same chord. I want to come to you in a minute. Yeah. Um, our students with our percussion instruments, and if you don't have a percussion instrument or you have a drum, you're going to play on beats two and four. Music's really simple. 
You just count on rounds of four. Basically, yes, I know there's in three, four times. Don't, not tonight. I'm going to count in rounds of four. Count in rounds of four. So um, every time I say the, the number, letter, the number two, the number four, you're going to hit, shake or scrape your instrument. So I'll be like this. Like one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One. Pretty good. Wish the kinder classes were this easy. <laughs> One, three. Excellent. Um, get that going. Guitars, you're going to go ching, two, three, on every beat. On one, two, three, four. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Keep jinging. Two. Keep strumming guitars on every beat. One, two, three. Wow, what do you say about that? <laughs> so how many of you feel now that you have a little musical gift or talent or big one within you, everyone? Well, Just, that's the instrument oh, yeah. and it will change, change your life. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, we're going to get into the conversation because now it's your turn uh, in, in a moment to um, tell your story and or you can ask questions of anybody here or you'll just say something important. Who would break the ice and go first? No shame, no blame. Hand up, Matt. Yeah. Do we, do we have a microphone? This one? <laughs> Speaking to the Moroccan. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Do have a microphone? The engaging thing about Albo's playlist was it was political. And I'm wondering whether for education to succeed, like music to succeed, it needs to be a political act. Can you respond to that, Parsi? Ah... Uh. I, I don't know. Was it Kylie Minogue in Albo's list? Ha, have you listened to Albo's playlist? No, I haven't, no. It is. I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Uh, but who is Al Albo? You mean the Prime Minister? The, the new Prime Minister. He's a disc jockey and he's, he loves rock and roll. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think... I, I, I think, you know, politics... We should keep politics out of these things. Politics out of the rock and roll, that's my view. And uh, certainly education. And, um, you know, my experience is that all the countries where politics is mixed with the practice of education, where the politicians intervene in saying what type of history we should teach or what the schools should do, things start to get bad. So I, I don't think, I, I think that we should leave schools to rock and roll. And, you know, people like, like these to, to do the thing. But I have to check, should, should I check this playlist? <laughs> Please check his playlist. I, I will do. And, and as, a, as, a, as a strong advocate of public education, I highly commend the young lady on the end. I think she is absolute brilliant. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks very I much. Love your work. Thank you. Okay, people, step in. We, have, uh, we don't have too much time here for you to, uh, to join the conversation and say what you think. The best teaching I ever saw was uh, some uh, Prep 1 kids in Tasmania who had learned uh, how to use symbols, not the musical instrument, but symbols like triangles and squiggly lines to write their own music. Mm. And they performed this at the end of year assembly for the parents. And it was the best teaching I, saw, I had seen to that time. And it remains the most powerful teaching I've ever seen. But the parents didn't understand. Very few people really knew what was happening with those children and the, the level of cognitive engagement that was in, was in that was brilliant. And so, this, and then another thing is that, you know, I'm president of the Australian Primary Principals Association and one of the things we're advocating for is that there's got to be a guarantee of some things in all schools. Music has to be one of them. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Malcolm. And, and you, you, I understand that you were a music teacher as well at some I point. I started out as an early childhood. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Okay, who's, who's going to go next? Um, just want to say, guys, this is like a, a breath of fresh air, like to hear this. And I think there's a common theme that we're hearing, and it's risk. You know, teachers not putting that risk out to, one, stick to the curriculum. You know, the, you know, the KLAs where it's literacy and numeracy and um, those, those types of things. And, and we even see it in our public, in our professional development, where teachers are being unindated with these professional developments about literacy and numeracy. And as a music teacher, <clears throat> I've got to do it all on my back, you know. And it's frustrating, and it's frustrating. So I, I've started a ukulele club in, with the staff, in the mm. staff room. 
just to try and um, debunk a few things and, you know. <laughs> Ukuleles, is, you know, it's, it's got a tainted name like recorder but I'm trying to make best of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it does fall down to risk and, you know, being brave and just, you know, giving it a go. Mm. So. Thank you very much. There's a lady, lady over here. Uh, thanks for that. I was listening to Sarah and thinking of the amazing opportunities that she's brought to her school um, and wondering how we can actually bring to the new um, group of educators coming through the system. We know we have a teacher's shortage. How can we build confidence in the new upcoming teachers to actually bring music into the classroom? I've two daughters. One was lucky enough to have a lot of music in her education. The other one didn't um, and have noticed the difference in the way that she engages with learning and she actually brings that into her life too. So putting it out to the room basically, how do we actually the, – the teachers who are training, how do we get them to bring that confidence into a Base that they're probably not confident with because they haven't experienced it. Can I just highlight some people in the sure, room sure. who are trying to do exactly what you're talking about? Um, I think Ricky's talked about Amplify, which is about supporting teachers, giving them designing and giving them a program um, to teach in their classrooms to give them that confidence. So that would be fantastic for new career teachers, early development teachers. I think we need to look at our university education and our, our pre-teacher training and we need to provide opportunities for people to spend time in classrooms and have that focus um, of the music focus. But there's also some people in the room tonight, Big Music, I visited uh, their campus today in um, Crow's Nest. And when we were in the COVID lockdown, um, I don't know if you know about what happened to Wilcannia, but we had a pretty severe outbreak and we had, we were so lucky that people all over this country um, looked to donating things to help us out in a really tough time. And these guys, Big Music, reached out and actually sent musical instruments because they knew what would be important for our community. Um, and we were able to hand out, we ran a competition through the local radio station and people could win guitars. Um, I had a woman, a, a auntie who in tears said to me, you know, I have always, my dad played guitar, I have always wanted to play guitar and this is the first time now I have a guitar. And she sat there and the next day she came and played me a song that's something that she remembered her dad and he's passed but her dad playing when she was a young girl. Um, so that then developed when we went back to school, our kids, and Tim talks about ukulele lessons, but our kids actually then did Zoom lessons with the big new music crew here in Sydney where they were learning how to play ukuleles and we did staff development as well for our, our team. So I think that there are a lot of really impressive organisations who are trying to do exactly what you're talking about. How do we give teachers skills, resources? I mentioned the toolkit. I'm lucky that my toolkit was built by the music educators I've had the privilege of working with or being taught by um, but we need to look at how we really build this um, within the pre-service teacher experience I think. Um, I've just started in early education and um, I found something really interesting with the children which I've really enjoyed. It's about singing everything you think <laughs> and you have to say it loudly if you feel like this and then you say it softly and you say hello <laughs> children Sit down, be quiet, <laughs> and then shout it out. <laughs> so that's what I like to teach at school, and it's so much fun. Yes. So. <laughs> Woo! There you go. Woo! Thank you. Thank you, Abby. Next to Our daughter, Rochelle, um, is actually one of Ricky's students, and she actually Very began sure. her lessons with him when she was in year six. And our only regret was that we didn't start a sooner with him. Mm -hmm. um, she's just come out of a shell so much. She's gained so much confidence. And since she started high school, she's just blossomed. She's just come into her own. Um, she's made friends so much easier. She stands up for other people. Yeah, she's just really come into her own. And we've got Ricky, Ricky to thank for that. That's very nice. <coughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm actually, I'm Richard from Big Music and I just wanted to say hi, Sarah. Thank you for the wonderful <laughs> endorsement. And I'm delighted to hear that the um, the guitars and the ukes that we sent to Will Can You got put to good use and um, that's wonderful. It was a, a pleasure to do that. Um, I actually would like to just tell a very quick story and then ask a question of you, Parsi, if you don't mind. Um, 
one of the things we do at Big Music is school incursions, uh, rock and roll sort of incursions. We put whole rock bands into schools. We've got this wonderful thing called Mozart's Time Warp where actually Mozart appears on stage and there's a band, there's a band playing and Mozart walks in and says, what on earth is going on here? Please explain to me all, all these crazy instruments, that sort of thing. Um, it's like a pantomime. So that's, that's good fun. But the community thing, the word community has come up a lot of times tonight and one of the things we, one of the incursions we started about 10 or 12 years ago was to another very remote location called Lord Howe Island. It's not Wilcannia but it's um, a very small community, only about 400 people live on Lord Howe Island and there's a little school there with about 30 odd kids and they had no musical instruments, they'd never had a music teacher and we sent over a bunch of musicians and put on some shows. Uh, the amazing thing was we had no idea where this would lead but what they told us after we'd done it a few years and we did some remote learning as well with Lord Howe Island, they said to us, you don't understand the difference you've made to our community. And we said, oh, the kids, yeah, they seem to be really enjoying it. No, 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 the whole community. We've never had music on the island before and now 10 years later there are bands that are resident on the island which means that there's bands that can play at weddings and things like that. Um, the whole place is is developed a musical culture that started with the kids and then spread to the adults, which was something terribly unexpected. So the, that's a background to the question I wanted to ask you, Parsi, because you've talked about the incredible um, education system in Finland where they've been um, doing it for 40 years. And I'm wondering what that's led to in terms of changes in the community generally, given that all these younger kids have had tremendous opportunities to learn music. Yeah, I, I think really, I will try to keep this uh, brief. I, I, I think the, the secret of that music, the way to teach music in Finland, is that it's not just a one year or one term or something like this. You know, it really starts in a, in a um, uh, preschool where the kids are two or three years old. And there's a lot of play music, music schools where the kids can go. And it continues all the way through the uh, high school. So, for example, I, I don't know exactly what the hours are here, how much kids are having music. But in the Finnish schools, every child, every week gets anything between two or four hours lessons music all the way through, through, through the system. And, and, you know, there are those, uh, those people who, you know, argue in Finland that the system is strong and kids are learning well and they are resilient and, you know, all these things. Partly because of this music, they have access to music, everyone. And it's not because we don't have any private schools or selective schools, so everybody gets the same type of music thing. And I think what we all have to take away from here is that it's not just that we, we have to secure some type of music education for all Australians. We need to have a system where the children have, as early as possible, music all the time, all the through, you know, through their... 12 or 13 years of schooling. That's what makes a difference. It's not just that you have great music teacher every, every now and then. And I think that, as you know, I belong to those who believe that, you know, part of this Finland's not only success academically, but that the system is, is a very different from many others is because of this, the fact that the, the curriculum is balanced, that music and arts and those non-academic things are equally important. And as, as you heard my story about primary school teachers, every primary school teacher in Finland is a music teacher. And that is, somebody was asking about the teacher education. That is the important thing. I, I don't think that we can make fast enough progress in this country unless we change the, how the teachers are trained here. And why we couldn't do that here, that every primary school teacher would be able to teach music in a school. It's a simple thing to do. The, the question is, do we want to do that or not? And but but you know and you know this much better than I do. How, how in this country we have so many other important, more important things in schooling, literacy and numeracy and you know all those uh, other things. And then music, music is often people say that it's a kind of a nice thing to have in a school. It's, it's kind of a cool thing to have music, but in you know in Finland you couldn't you couldn't consider school or primary school or secondary school without music. That would be impossible to understand. And that's, that, that's where we are uh, different in this. We have time for a couple of more comments. Okay, who's, who's going to go next? I, uh, I'm a primary school teacher and I can play CDs and I can play radio. And until five minutes ago, I didn't know that I had a musical bone in my body. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I, I'm, then we did I, what we came out I, to achieve. <laughs> Woo. However, I think my class might disagree with me. But <laughs> I teach year six class. What can I do tomorrow?
if I want to integrate music more actively, we have a music teacher at the school, and they, lead, they learn singing and that sort of thing, one lesson a week. Yeah, what do I do tomorrow? You can play your CDs and, and whatever, but also you've got an active whiteboard. You could get an online metronome going and they can see, they can see it happening. Um, you can look at how that can, uh, you can change different tempos. And then the kids, <clears throat> you know, if you're not confident enough to be up there, um, you know, counting the beats, the kids can see it and it's right there. And you can change the tempo to go with the song or whatever. You're, you're, you just type in online metronome. Comes up, there's all sorts of fancy ways you can um, display it. It's, um, yeah, and it's fun. You can uh, see my lovely wife in the blue dress and she'll get you hooked up with Amplify. You can start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, we, we have a massive problem where, so this is, a, we did say, we did be, I don't think we said it earlier, 77% of children in Australia don't have access to a classroom-based music program, which means they go the whole life through primary school, kinder to year six, without experiencing music at primary school. I feel like I'm Angelo now talking. <laughs> um, but that's, that's 77%. That's like, he would love it. He's not here, is he? <laughs> Thank good. We would have had to add on an extra half hour. Um, but that's, that, that's, that's massive. And it's, um, oh, dear. and it, it, I mean, it's, it's starting, it, it starts because um, it's a systemic, systemic problem because uh, teachers aren't trained at university and empowered and given confidence to be able to teach music in the classroom, which, which is crazy because if you think, imagine if that was any other subject in our curriculum, that we just go, oh, I don't really feel confident doing it, so I'm just not going to do it. Imagine if we did that with mathematics or, um, or English. It would be a massive uproar. And it's because we don't value mm. um, the importance and the power of music in the classroom. And it's because we don't do it in primary school. So then we get to high school and we start dating girls and boys and get our driver's license and play sport. And then by that time it's almost too late. And then we become adults in society and we haven't had that experience to appreciate the value of music. And then it just goes in a full cycle. Um, so... It's a systemic problem. It needs to start, and we, we need to empower. We need to be able to train our um, primary school, uh, all our teachers, in how to teach music in a classroom. Um, so that happens, you can use Amplify. Um, but uh, uh, but that's that's where the where the problem is. Help me out, Sarah. I think if something you can do tomorrow in your classroom to do exactly what Ricky said is talk about what kind of music they like, what kind of music they like to listen to, and start singing along to the song, you know, do um, grab a classical track and do some mindfulness after lunch when you come back into the classroom and see who can be still for the longest listening to Mozart um, as your mindfulness coming back into the classroom, exposing them to different things. Um, think about your history lessons and your English lessons and start to write poetry to work towards writing a song of their own song um, you know, look at, we're coming up to NAIDOC week, what an amazing opportunity for looking into history through song. Um, Aboriginal people are the first Nations people storytellers of this place. And I think that the best way to teach about what's happened in this country in terms of history with primary school students is through songs. From Little Things, Big Things Grow is and such an incredible story and you can teach it to kindergarten right up unpacking it with year 12. So, yeah, I think just start using music across the KLAs. The gentleman talked about painting um, or creating your own, children creating their own symbols for their music. Grab some percussion instruments out of the music teacher's classroom. Talk about beat and your heartbeat, right? We all have a heartbeat. That's what keeps us alive. That's why music's so important. And just start a beat in the class and give them some instruments like we did tonight and just get them to play along and then get them to draw their own symbols and create a band. Yeah, um, yeah little things. Make it rain tomorrow in another, the classroom. Another activity that's really fun and easy, I love doing in class, um, is uh, put on song two by the band Blur. Yeah. And give the students, if you have percussion instruments that they can bang along to or any tune instruments or just body percussion and get them to align their playing with the dynamics of the song. So in the really obvious loud parts, they bash and play really loudly in time with the song, if you're in music. Um, during the quiet parts, they have to need to play quietly in time with the song. And they can dance and jump around at the same time. But it's get them listening to the song and paying attention to the dynamics in the song. Because mm -hmm. um, really that's what makes that song really exciting and, and, and interesting to listen to. Plus kids, when they, when they hear that song, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I love this song. And it's a great dynamics lesson and it's really easy. So play loudly during the loud parts, quietly during the soft parts. Have a good time. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> oh. What school are you from? Okay, be 
Hey, people, people. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, I'll come up. We'll do yeah, we, next I, I would love to continue this conversation. Actually, we can do that. But one little activity we're going to do. But before doing that, can I ask you people to join me thanking these amazing two people here, music people. And tonight, tonight I'm going to do I'm going to do something that I normally never do in these um, these events, and I'm going to give you a present as a memory of this thing. And uh, I know that both of you, you like memoirs. You, you love to read about what the other people have, uh, have done. And Sarah, I read you... Are you trying I, to get rid of your books? I, I read, <laughs> no, not my... I cannot write things like this uh, yet. <laughs> but but I, I loved your book, and I, I w hope that every, every one of you reads Sarah's book, Big Things Grow. It's a beautiful story. Uh, but, you know, this is also a beautiful story. I don't know if you have this Dave Kroll, one of my... Mm. But one of my favorites, we played Dave's song, uh, Times Like These, earlier uh, this evening. So I want to give you this as a, as a memory and token of appreciation. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Beautiful. And, you know, this guy, this guy was much harder to kind of decide what type of memoir I'm going to give you. But I'm going to give you a memoir of Flea. <laughs> Look at the cover. <laughs> Acid for the children. Yeah. Okay. Just don't show it to anyone. Just read it. Okay. Thank, th thank you very much. Thank you. And <laughs> thank you so much for coming here. I hope that this has been uh, interesting and enjoyable and memorable. And when, yeah. when you go home, that you, you do something. Try to talk about these things and, and make a little change so that we can have more music for our children in the future and more rock and roll as well. That was Parsi Salberg in conversation with Ricky Cridolfa and Sarah Donnelly. In the next episode, Professor Salberg speaks with Professor Sharon Goldfeld and asks the question, what if health and well-being were considered as important as literacy and numeracy? Thanks for listening to Ideas at the House. <laughs>